guys? How's everyone doing? It's me again. I'm back. We had a week off last week. Oh, that was awesome. Uh, we went camping, and it was cold, and it was wonderful. And uh, I like the cold. Christmas in Florida has always been weird when it's 90 degrees and humid. Like, it's like just something ain't right. So we didn't have to turn our ACs on this year. It was like so wonderful, you know? Anyways, shut up, Tim. Hey, um, we're going to start a new series today, and I'm going to read a verse for you. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and uh, it says this. It says, hey, whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of you who have had the veil removed can now see and reflect the glory of the Lord. I love that. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed in His glorious image. Let's pray. Jesus. Help. Amen. Whenever someone turns to the Lord, the, the veil's taken away. Uh, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's one of the missions of our church. We want to see everyone have freedom. We want you to know as, as pastors, we're fighting for your liberty. Um, we believe the Holy Spirit is, but I know that there is a battle that a lot of people have between their ears, you know? And a lot of people have in their soul uh, with people wrestling for forgiveness or wrestling for healing. And, uh, and I believe that that, that Lord can, can, can present that healing for you. Um, and we're fighting for that for you where the Spirit of the Lord is. I'm glad he's here today. But the Scripture says, where the Spirit uh, and the Lord, who is Spirit, makes us more and more like him, we are changed into his glorious image. So uh, when Jesus died, he, he gave us his Holy Spirit. In, in John chapter 20, we see the resurrected Jesus meeting the disciples, and they're terrified, they're freaked out. They see him, and he says, hey, look, peace to you guys. Look, touch the nails in my hands. It's me, it's Jesus. And they're freaking out, and he says, peace to you again. I, I, I give you the Holy Spirit. He breathes on them. He wants them to have the Holy Spirit because he is giving them a new mission. And it's, it's to go and make not Christians, but disciples. Uh, it's really important that you get this uh, because a disciple is different than a Christian. Uh, we live in uh, uh, the highest populated Christian nation in the world. And I don't know if you know, but not everyone looks like Jesus. Uh, not everyone be talking like Jesus. People don't be acting like Jesus, right? Uh, and so it's important that the church understands who they are and what God has asked of them to become more and more like Jesus. And so Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit so that the Spirit of God would live inside of us and you would become Jesus. A disciple is somebody who is Jesus. In the Old Testament, in the New Testament, the concept of a rabbi, they would have disciples, and these disciples would act, talk, think just like their mentor. Uh, their desire was to be so much like them that they would literally develop a lisp if the guy had a lisp, uh, a limp if the guy had a limp. They, they wanted to be so much like their rabbi that they would act like them, so when the rabbi was no more, the tradition carried on. Jesus wanted to make disciples. People that lived, gave, uh, loved, helped, was, you know, like, like lived out, went out of their way to be merciful like him. It wasn't that people would just believe. He was trying to change 
people from the inside out. We're starting a new series right now, and it's really the first point of, of this message today, and it is becoming Jesus. We, we want to become like Jesus. This is the mission of your church that you're attending here today. Uh, we're not here to, to make Christians. We want to make fully devoted followers of Jesus, people that say, I'm all in. I'm, I'm all in. And, uh, and what I love about that verse is, is, is he's saying that the Spirit of God is going to make us more like him as we're being changed into his glorious image. I don't know about you, but I, I thank God. I'm, I'm not yet where I need to be like Christ, but I know that I'm, oh man, I used to be a hot mess. And so I'm glad that I graduated from some of that. Uh, depending on what hour or window of the day you catch me, I still may be a hot mess, but I'm, it's less of the day now. You know what I mean? All right, I'm going to. I'm going to stay on point. We want to become like Jesus. And if you're new to the way, what does that look like? Um, when I think of Jesus, uh, I think of a miracle worker. Man, I, I want to be like Jesus. And this is the heartbeat of our church. I pray to God that it's your desire that you want to be Jesus to a lost and dying world. A miracle worker. Can you imagine how wonderful it would be if the Spirit of God was inside of us the same way it was in Jesus? That coworkers that we had that are struggling with depression, man, someone has a disease, the miracle-working power, like, like we would believe that the resurrection Spirit of God that Jesus had, he gave us the same, I, I don't know, maybe your Bible says something different. I'm not trying to exaggerate, but I believe that the same power that was in Jesus has been transferred to living inside of us, and I want to live like him. I, not just his miracle-working power, but I'm thinking of the fact that there was lies changed everywhere around him. What if people, the coworkers that you have, and their marriage is struggling, and hey, I, no, 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 hey, I, I think I know what's wrong. I think we've got to get Jesus back into the center of your relationship. The, the problem's not them. It's actually the both of you. Mm. I, I want to see the power of God. I want to see people on fire for Jesus, like around me. I, I know in my life, when I am in love with Jesus, when I am becoming Jesus, I am fully passionate. One of the things I loved about Jesus was that he was a man that was passionate. He had mission, he had purpose in his life. And when I am fully on fire for God, that is everywhere in my life. I have purpose when I wake up in the morning and everything that I do, there is, there is purpose for. I'm on fire. And I think about that in our lives today. What does it look like to be zealous for God? Like, man, like, Lord, my whole life is yours. And Use me today, and I'm, I'm worshiping on the way to where, somewhere I'm going. I'm praying as I'm walking into something. I, I need the God to be moved in my life. Like, when you see someone that's in love, starting a new relationship, they're, they're so zealous. Everything is wonderful. Colors are new. It's that way when you see someone on fire for God. They are contagious. I want that back in my life. I want to become like Jesus, I want, I want the life that he had inside of him living in me. Are you fighting for it in your life today? I'm thinking about this. What does it look like to become like Jesus? Well, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2 says it this way. Imitate God, therefore, in everything that you do. Not, not in some things. We, we got to get there because this is going to come back around. In, in everything that you do, because you are his dear children, live a life filled with, Filled, filled with love. 
following the example of Christ, he loved us. And, and, and he offered himself as a sacrifice for us, as a pleasing aroma to God. Oh, this is beautiful. This is what it means to imitate God. He is so different than I am. Because he loved me so much that he put me first before himself. That's, that's love. It's so difficult to see that in any scenario in life because when we enter into any kind of relationship, we generally have been hurt by someone in our life. And so we enter into the relationship trying to be as safe and as guarded as possible. Like, I am afraid of what you could do or you might lie or you may be... Jesus knew who I was, knew what I did, and loved me anyway. And he offered himself as a sacrifice to get closer to me. And this is the way you really love people, is you have to be willing to put yourself out there knowing they're going to hurt you, knowing they may take advantage of you. I don't know if we're being honest today. I've taken advantage of God in my life. I've... I didn't deserve the love that he gave me and I definitely wasn't honoring him the same way he's honored me and he kept coming after me. And if I'm gonna be like Jesus, I have to imitate him in the way that he pursues me, in the way that I'm gonna radically pursue others. And this is difficult because the world that we live in is tit for tat, you know? Like, it's, if, if they're going to shady me, I'm going to shady them back. I'm gonna, if they're going to act like that, well, then I'm going to let them know where we stand. And that's not the way Christ is. He knows the way I act, and he's still coming for me. Imitators of God. So I'm praying for this service today, and I'm praying for this series that we knew it was coming. We're going to become like Jesus, and um, not, not even become like him, become him. Spirit living inside me and becoming Jesus. And I'm praying for this service about a month and a half ago and God gave me this word. And uh, he w- I was realizing that knowing that 21 was coming, everyone was like, kind of like, oh, I just can't wait to get out of 2020. And uh, New Year's resolutions are starting all around this room and people are like, you know what? In 2021, I'm gonna start reading my Bible a little bit more. I'm gonna start praying a little bit more. I'm gonna start going to church. A little- I'm gonna get a little more involved. And I felt like, as your pastor, you need to hear this, that the Lord rebuked that thought. What? Did he just say, don't read your Bible more? Don't pray more? Yeah. Yeah, I really did feel like that God like, was like, no, that's the wrong concept. And here's what I mean. As Americans, I think that we see Christianity different because the world revolves around us. And so we bring that mentality as the world revolves around America and we bring that mentality into Christianity. And we approach Christianity as if we can just add a little bit more of Jesus into our life and think that this is the right way to do it. So my second point is this today. Don't add a little Jesus to your life. Someone said it this way. We were talking about this message this week and they were saying that everywhere in the world, um, they understand that Americans look at it like this, that, that we see this is our life and I want to get Jesus in the center of my life. But everywhere else, Christianity and the rest of the world is, if this is my life, here you go, God. It's all yours. And we're still trying to get a piece of Jesus in our life and wondering why it's so difficult. 
Because there's no scenario that we live in do we add a little bit of in a relationship. Listen for a second. We're not dating Jesus. We're marrying him. When you date someone, you try to fit it on the schedule. Seven o'clock, Tuesday night, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna meet. And then when it was over, yeah, it was pretty good. But I'm going back to my life. And this is the way we're doing Christianity. But it doesn't work like that. See, I didn't realize that when I decided to marry my wife, that Tim Broton died when we married and said yes to each other. Because now, whether you realize this or not, when you get married, two become one. So me is no more. You know, it, it works like this. Uh, in, in marriage with Jesus, I don't, I don't give Jesus 10% of my money. I give him 100% of my money. When I married Teresa, she didn't get some of my money. She got all of it. And it was like, <laughs> great. We bought what this week? You know? There was uh, this, I was just thinking about this last week, and as I was thinking about this service, and, and uh, I'm really blessed, and God gave me my dream home, and, and it's super cool, and uh, we've got one of those, I got one of those big bathrooms, you know, with like two sinks, you know, and I always wanted to have my own sink, and I got married and realized that I, she got both of them. <laughs> I get the space at the end of the counter, like that's jacked up, you know, and, uh, but this is, this is life, is that everything that I have is now hers. And when I leave her, I, I don't have separate time. I don't have Tim time. And this is what we think in society. Like when we're apart, we're different. No, no, no. My thoughts matter when we're apart. The things that I look at when I'm not with her matter. Because I didn't give part of my life to her. I gave her my whole life. And many of us are trying to figure out with Christ in this new relationship, how do I get a little bit more of Jesus in my life? You don't. No, 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 no. We're talking about God. The, he's far more glorious than, than I think we're painting the picture of. He's actually worthy. Of, he is the potter and we're the clay. We were designed entirely for him. And we're trying to figure out how to fit the potter inside the clay. And we've missed this whole daggone thing. Let me show it to you in scripture. Jesus, our savior, would say it this way. Hey, you guys like this thing? Online, it's super glorious, man. Like, it's super awesome. Dean killed it. Caleb killed it. Uh, Courtney helped design it. I love it. I was like, man, I saw it. I cried. I was like, man, it's Jesus, man. He's so awesome. We were so nervous because we were afraid, like, if Jesus was, like, crooked, you know, like. That's real. All right. right, So don't add Jesus to your life. Luke chapter 9, Jesus is going to say it this way. You got to hear this. Lean into this thought. He's talking about his disciples. Because we're a people, the mission of our church is not to make Christians, but to make disciples. People that want to become God. I want to love like him because there's no one else on the face of the planet like Jesus. The way he loves, the way he gives, the way he's merciful, the the, the way he changes people's lives. Jesus lived with purpose. I'm I'm all in. He, He said it this way, Luke chapter 9, verse 23 through 24. And then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must... Give up your own way, take up your cross and daily and follow me. If, if you're trying to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, then, then you'll find it. I can't tell you how real that was. I mean, I searched through everything before I became a Christian. I tried Buddhism. I tried everything. And when I, I encountered God, it was like, man, that was cool. I'm going back next week. That was cool. I'm going back next week. 
and something realized that like, hey, you can't just try Jesus, Tim. And I gave my life to the Lord, and I remember the way the Holy Spirit hit me that day on that altar. And it was like, I am all, I've never experienced anything like this. Lose your life. Then you find it. Jesus would go on, this is Luke chapter 9, in, verse, in chapter 14, he's going to say it this way, if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. You can't be my student if you don't deny yourself. I, I love this. This is mind-blowing to me because this is not the way we're approaching 2021. It's like, we, if I just get a little bit more time for the Lord... We'll be good. If you don't carry your cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. But, but, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin a construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would just laugh at you. And they'd say, there's a person who started that building but couldn't afford to finish it. He's saying, if you really want a relationship, um, you you got to know you got to be all in here, guys. And, and the the beauty of 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 Jesus is I recognize that I don't know a whole lot about anything, and he knows everything about everything. He knows what's best for my life. He knows what's best for my health. He knows what's best for, for, for my family. He knows what's best for my finances. He knows what's better for the direction of my life. Who better to trust between me and him? And yet I constantly try to take my life back off the altar and argue with God about what direction we should go in. Anyone else? Let's be real. Today, this is about all in. Not part of my life. Listen, the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of our New Testament, like we're not here to just hear the gospel. We want to be transformed by it. The Apostle Paul said it this way in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have it memorized different, so I have to read it here because I memorized the NIV, and this is the NLT. So he says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So the life I live in this earthly body by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You have to say, Jesus gave himself for me, so now it's not me that lives. I'm dead. This guy here doesn't exist in this marriage. This guy here doesn't exist in this marriage. I'm trying, when I'm doing marriage with my wife the best, I'm finding ways to put her first. When we're not doing so good, I'm arguing about why I'm not first. This is what happens. If you want to be a better co-worker, what you want to do is find ways to better the company. You better the company, you become a better employee. And the company excels, and the whole team wins. You, you know what? In sports, I, I love sports, the, the, the New York football giants are going to destroy the Cowboys today. I don't care what that song was, Rich. We're going to change. You guys don't know it, but Rich, that first song, something about the, giant, the Cowboys falling it's an inside joke, but it's the Giants. When, when any, in any sport, when an athlete puts his stats above the team, the team suffers. It's about how do we move as one unit? And now we've got this thing figured out. 
And, and so what I, I want you to understand is when, when, when he says, I'm crucified with Christ, it's not me that lives, but now it's Christ that lives inside of me. Well, you have to figure out how, how do you make him bigger in your life and you less and less of a big deal? If really we are talking about the God of the universe, shouldn't we want everyone to see, meet him more? Like, he's far more attractive than you are, I promise. You know what I mean? Like, anything good inside you is really not that great. Like, you're most... No, I don't <laughs> Shut up, Tim. All right. So I'm going to read one more verse here that's super powerful. This is probably uh, one of the most popular verses in the New Testament. It's found in Romans chapter 12. And, and he would break it down like this. Like, like you have to understand, like, I think in some ways we're missing Christianity because we're learning uh, the culture of the world we live in trying to get Jesus to fit into our schedule. And, and in doing so, we just miss the whole concept. So if, if 2020 just went to kaput, we, we, we're going we're gonna to get this thing right, right from the beginning we're all in. This is where your church is going. I'm hoping you're coming with us. Romans chapter 12, verse one. So dear brothers and sisters, I, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he's going to find acceptable. Uh, this is truly the way to worship him. Don't, don't, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of America that you live in, but, but rather be transformed. Let, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I want to know purpose for my life. I want to know direction. The reality is, is that you remember the story where Jesus is talking to the rich man? And he says, what must we do to have eternal life? And he says, well, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, oh, I've been doing that my whole life. I'm it. And he says, okay, then go home and sell everything you have and come follow me. And it hit me just this week, what the heck was going on in that scenario? Jesus is like, hey, look, if we're going to have a relationship, I don't need all the stuff that you got back home. Where we're going, we don't need any of that crap. Like, well, I kind of need all that stuff. That sounds a lot like some marriage couple right there. Well, this is my money in the bank account. That one's yours. You know, we can, I, I deserve a double cheeseburger on, you know, like, well, that's a whole nother scenario. Maybe that sounds like me, Teresa. I'm sorry. That just, there was some, some self that came out of there. I deserve a double cheeseburger. Man, it's already begun. Mm. <laughs> Stay on point here. Did, did we pray for this message? We prayed. Okay. Yes, we did. All right. So, 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 uh, we, first thing, the first point today was um, we want to become like Jesus. The, 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 the second point is is um, don't don't add Jesus into your, like a little bit of Jesus in your life. Okay, because want to make sure we get this right. Pastor Tim's not saying don't add Jesus. No, you throw your life to Christ. This is how we do it. And, and the, the last point is, is, so what does that look like then to deny yourself? If, if Jesus really denied himself and allowed suffering into his life so he can get to us and change us, how do you do that? Because this is, this is moving forward what he's calling of us, not just for him, but for the betterment of your church, of your community, of your family. I, I was thinking about even like in my own life, the times I choose me over my family, my family does not benefit. 
when I choose to tune everyone out and just sit on the television and veg out for three hours, nothing good happens in the home. You know what I mean? But like, it's, I need me time. It's, it's about me right now. Well, that's good. Well, the dishes are still jacked up and now the kids are bleeding, you know, and the dog is lost. And like, look, I'm hoping you had a good time on the couch for an hour. Anyone else? Yeah. Everything, your bills are still the same. When, you know, like, so how do you deny yourself? What does that look like? There's a, uh, I want to take you as a glimpse into one of the, the Jesus called the greatest man that's ever been born of a woman. His name is John the Baptist. John the Baptist is a hot mess, just so you know. But Jesus said he was, he was awesome. And it's probably because he was so countercultural. And it's really hard because we're learning all the time. Google is teaching us right now. Like, it, you're going to get notifications while this is going on to think about something else. And a text messages to go buy this. And, and like, like, life is coming at you. And you have to figure out how to, like, what, what, what matters most. And John the Baptist found a way to, like, think differently than everyone else. I'm going to take you into this story. It's pretty awesome. A great debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over a ceremonial cleansing, water baptism. So John's disciples came to him and said, hey, Rabbi, uh, the man that you met on the other side of the river, uh, the one that identifies as the Messiah, he's also baptizing people now. We have competition. And everyone is going to him instead of coming to us. John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it to him from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you, I'm not the Messiah. I'm only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand there and listen to their vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. Listen to this. He's got to become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. The, the scenario of John the Baptist's theology here is so countercultural, it's crazy. Imagine if you were a manager of a company, and, and the way that you managed is to figure out how to get your employees to be the greatest employees in the world. Well, that, they would, some of them would look better than you. Yeah. I'll never forget my first pastor, like relational pastor. His name was Patsy. He would always tell us that his vision for our lives was that we would become greater ministers of the gospel than he was. And it was like, wow, that, that's weird. Why? Well, because the idea is that I'm going to die one day and we want you guys to be great and build the kingdom. We want people underneath us to be greater than us. But somehow in the world we live in, we feel threatened by that. And John the Baptist is saying, no, 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 I want Jesus to become greater and greater and me become less and less. If you're a lover of God, what does that look like for you? For you to become less and less and Jesus to become greater and greater in your life. What are you doing for the Lord or not doing for the Lord that God wants to see happen? How does he become greater? Because I don't know if there's a more important question to ask, how do we deny ourselves so that he lives in a greater way in our life? So we're thinking about this. Uh, the church is um, going to start this thing called fasting. Um, and uh, we're, uh, we're doing it for the next 21 days. And uh, some people, uh, they say, uh, Pastor Tim, you're really good at fasting. And uh, <laughs> I think you bumped your head. Uh, fasting, I think, is the worst thing on earth. 
I hate every minute of it um, because I enjoy food. I don't like starving. I think it's awful. Um, but, um, and I think people that, do fa- that are good at fasting are probably just doing it wrong. Because the whole concept is to say no to what you love so you can have more of something you love more. That's a statement that we've made uh, 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 of our church. We give up things we love for things we love more. So think about it. When you say no to spending time with your kids so you can have more TV, it's because you're choosing to love the television more. And you don't see it right away, but in years from now, the neglect will be there. Uh, Some of you are saving for a house, but you can't stop buying Starbucks. It's because you want Starbucks more than you want the house. We give up things we love for things we love more. We learn how to say no to things. Uh, there's, there was a, a, a lot, I, you have to understand, I, I'm a former drug addict. I love drugs. I'm not gonna lie to you. I used to love getting high. But you know what I, I found is I, I love Jesus more. Amen. And I realized after a long time that I, loving Jesus, doing things that I loved, hurt him. I didn't want to hurt God. And so I gave up things I loved for a God that I fell in love with more. And I began to realize there's a whole new concept of things that God wants me to love. And I had to learn to love them after falling in love with him. We give up things we love for things we love more. Over the next 21 days, I'm excited because uh, we're asking our church to fast with us. Now, in the Old Testament, uh, we would see these corporate fasts all the time. They would fast for the sake of their country. Well, that's a good reason to fast right now. <laughs> you know, but we're kind of a hot mess. Uh, we, we would fast for, uh, the, for our family or for miracles to be done. That's, that's kind of a great reason to fast. It'd be great for you to fast for the local movement of the body of Christ. It'd be great to fast for your church right now, for God to move. This year, we want to see people saved and, and people restored, and we need to see miracles and, and signs and wonders again in the church. Don't we want to see these things? Well, th- this, is what the ulti- this is what they did to see God move. We're going to step into a, fa- a time of fasting for the next 21 days. And you know what I'm excited about? I'm excited about hearing God's voice. I'm excited about being close to him. I'm excited about the revelations that I'm gonna, I'm gonna receive. I'm excited about new prayers that I've never prayed before. I'm excited about old prayers that fell dormant inside me. Some things you need to know about fasting is um, fasting uh, doesn't make God love you anymore. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more can't join the worship team. You can't, can't go evangelizing. You, you, can't, you can't go draw art or whatever. Like, like there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. Uh, so fasting isn't really going to make God love you more. But it will make you love him more. Every time we sacrifice for something, we love it more. I was thinking about how much I love my daughter, Maylee. Sometimes she'll say, hey, dad, can, can you play Barbies with me? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Sucks. I don't want to play Barbies. Why are they all naked, Megaly? Come on. Put some clothes on these people. And I'm sitting there, and I'm playing Barbies with her, and the whole time I'm realizing, I love this girl, and I love her creativity. And, I, and I'm sacrificing something that I don't want to do for someone that I want to do it with. This is fasting. We give up things we love for things we love more. And when you sacrifice, your heart explodes. Now, what does fasting look like? You can fast anything. There is no scenario that you, like, I'm do, I only do biblical fast, Pastor Tim. You know when Daniel decided to do a fast, he didn't sign up for the Daniel's fast? 
True story. God wants anything that you want to give him because you're in a relationship with him now. And he loves what you have, even if it's jacked up. In fact, there's nothing, there's nothing you're going to do that's actually going to impress God. Nothing. So if you're deciding that you're going to fast, uh, you know, like greater than anyone else that goes to church, we're, I'm all in. I'm going to go 190 days without eating because I'm super spiritual. Um, I just want you to know, like, that doesn't, God's not like, wow. He's, he's looked down at everyone from Mother Teresa and Billy Graham. He's, he's not that impressed with us. But he enjoys us. And he loves watching you desire him. The scripture says, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. And, and God moves in those spaces. Really, I, I realize that it's not God that moves at all, it's me. I'm back to prayer. I'm back to seeking God first. I'm back to all day long thinking about, oh, that's a donut right there. That's so one. Nope, nope. <laughs> I love Jesus. I love Jesus. You know what's, and what really stinks is no one shows up with food more than when you decided not to do it. Like, like all of a sudden it's free. It's like the first time I tried drugs. It was always free at first, you know, but then, then you got to pay for it. You know, it's like that's now I'm paying for Oreo cookies my whole life because I signed up for it one day. It's really bad. I need to stop talking about it. Listen, what, here's some truths you need to know about fasting. Um, you can't fast for your pastor. Doesn't work like that. Uh, you fast because God asks you to. We're going to do this thing, and it's going to be really good. In fact, I think of every sport. I'm going to tell you more about fasting here in a second, but I think of sports. Every sports team in the world that's good fasts. They have a guy who does nutrition and tells everyone on the team, hey, look, you need to eat more pasta, a lot more pasta. You, you need to stop eating pasta. You, no pasta, you know, like you. And, and then everyone does something different on the team. But everyone needs to be aware of what, what they're consuming. And with this consumption, some of them, you need to be consuming more of the playbook. Uh, and so I don't know where you're at, but fasting doesn't work if you're not reading the word. Like what our soul is craving is more of Jesus. We're trying to unplug from the world and plug into the Lord. So it'd be super good for the next 21 days for you to tune out from your podcast that you normally listen to, tune into Jesus. Turn off the radio and all those shows and tune into Jesus. Some of you can't, your doctor would tell you that it's not healthy for you to fast. Okay, can you skip a meal? Maybe you can't. Maybe you could skip a meal every day. Maybe you could skip two. Some of you can stop eating some things. What we've seen in our church is crazy miracles through fasts. We have seen marriages come back together because of fasting. We've seen relationships with distant family members mend it because of fasting. We've seen miracle babies born because of fasting. We've seen people with crazy terminal diseases healed in our church because of fasting. Clinically, fasting is good for your body on so many levels. We just don't do it because we're American. Do you know every major religion in the world believes in fasting? Except Christians. We're not Christians. What are we? We're disciples. And disciples fast. Jesus said that when I'm gone, the disciples are going to fast. Yes, we will. Because we're hungry for God. Because I want to get closer to him. Because more of him equals less of me. Less of me equals more of him. Because I give up things I love for things I love more. 
There's, fasting is not going to uh, make God impressed with you. Uh, it, can't, it can't make God love you more, but it will make you love him more. I, I, I know that there's a lot of believers in this room, and you've been believers for, for 80, 100 years. And, um, but what happens is when we, we're doing Christianity in and out, in and out, in and out, without like seasons of fasting, is we just hit the autopilot. And autopilot works, I promise. Like, I have a friend who has a boat, and he has autopilot, and so he'll have to just get north. It's great. But what happens is sometimes it, it, you, you, you're going north, but you're, you're missing the destination. And I think sometimes our direction is loving God, but we've, we've, we're, we're not tuned in to the right frequency of what God's trying to say. And what I love is instantly when you start fasting, you start hearing the things that matter again. You start recognizing things that are in your life that aren't supposed to be there. God starts speaking. There's nothing more precious in all the world than hearing God's voice in your life. We have a church. Super cool. I love it. I love that we've had some growth last year. But I don't don't necessarily want to grow unless we're growing. And I want to be on fire for God. I want to become more like him. And we could talk about generosity and all these things, but if we don't have people that are radical about spending time with God and becoming like him, what are we doing? I'm asking you to ask God what you can give up for the next 21 days. Some of you may break it into three sections. Some of you may break it into two. I don't care how you do it. And it would really behoove you to not throw it on Facebook and tell all your coworkers how spiritual you are. Jesus said... Um, They'll have their reward. But it doesn't hurt to ask other believers that are corporate what they're doing because you can challenge them to raise the bar. But please make sure in challenging them, you're not bragging about how godly you are because you don't understand what their sacrifice, what it cost them. If they're skipping salad, that could be huge to them. They could be fighting an eating disorder. And that's a big deal to them. So you don't compare your sacrifice with your neighbors. Because I promise, if you want to compare sacrifices, yours looks nothing like Jesus. Amen. Last thing you need to know is that fasting can and it does bring breakthrough. Um, it can and it does bring breakthrough. This message today is really not about fasting. I hope you understand this. We're stepping into a season that I want to see our church explode and I want to see people love God and that happens when we turn up the level of intensity in our life and we get focused on things that matter most. And I think that our church has a much greater future when people get together and they start pushing other things out of their life and saying, you know what, Jesus first, Jesus first, Jesus first. And, and people start tuning into their calling and realizing that God, oh, there's gifts inside of you that we've been dormant that your church needs to use so that we can reach the lost for Jesus. It's awesome. Deb, would you come? But um, I don't need you to fast, but I do need you to pray about what God could be asking you to fast. Does that make sense? And that, that's super important you hear that. I'm not asking you to fast. I am asking you to pray about it. We as a church are entering into 21 days today. We'll be done in three weeks on a Saturday. We're going to be doing some prayer times early Tuesday, early Thursday. We'll be doing some stuff online on Wednesday nights. 
And Saturday mornings, uh, we're going to rip the roof off this place and, uh, and be praying in here like crazy. Come Saturday mornings with us. We have stuff in the app. We have some devotions that you can be doing with us, uh, some, some reading assignments. So please check out your app. Go to click on fasting, and there are some devotions there that you can be doing with us. What we want is to unplug from the world right now and tune into Jesus. Does this make sense? And if we're gonna become like Jesus, Jesus fasting. So I have that. Cool. Hey, um, would y'all do me a favor? Um, would you bow your heads and close your eyes for a minute? There are um, some people here. This is actually my favorite part of the day. There are some people in this room right now. You have to understand um, that you that don't know the Lord. I, I'm talking to you right now. Um, you you know that um, you're fasting. I'm. I, I don't even know if I've had an honest conversation with God in a while. I, I want you to know. You don't have to do anything for God to love you. He loves you. And he wants to move in your life. I believe that God has a plan for you the same way that God had a plan for me. Yours is going to look different. But he believes in you. He loves you and he gave his life for you. And you're here today and you're hearing some of this stuff and, you, you, and, you, and maybe the Holy Spirit's he's calling you right now. What begins to happen is the Holy Spirit begins to fall on you and it just the intensity of the service. It's like God, it's talk, he's talking to you. He's, talk, no, no, he's talking to you. Lord has a plan for your life. He wants to do something special. There's some things that happened that weren't supposed to. There's some broken things that didn't go right. And the Lord wants to redeem that and start new today with every head bowed in this room and every eye closed if you're here today and you feel the Holy Spirit tugging you God's calling you to give him your life with every head bowed I promise I'm not going to embarrass you if that's you and God's talking to you right now would you raise your hand I want to say a prayer for you God bless you wow God bless you I see your hand that is beautiful. God bless you. Man, the Holy Spirit's here right now. 21, we're going to start fresh. Is there anyone else here? Say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to give my life to Jesus today. All of us as a church today, we're going to say the same prayer together. We're gonna give our life to the Lord. And Jesus, I give you my life. I, I, I wanna love you. I want to be loved by you. I wanna learn your love. I wanna learn the plan that you have for me. Would you change me? Would you forgive me of the things I'm doing wrong? Would you give me your Holy Spirit Cleanse me by the blood of Jesus. Make me new, Lord. Teach me to love you all the days of my life.